Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Regular listeners to this podcast will recall that towards the end of December of last year, 2023, I did a live episode in conjunction with the Little Museum of Dublin and Dublin Port to celebrate an exhibition called Solidarity, which was all about the history of the Dockers of Dublin Port. Well, I'm delighted to introduce this bonus podcast about the same topic, but with some different guests who are themselves Dockers by trade or members of Docker families. Before I get into it, I'd better do the trademark introduction. Welcome to Publin, a podcast about the culture, history and heritage of pubs at home and abroad. I had the great privilege of hosting a discussion in Cleary's Pub in December to highlight the new exhibition called Solidarity, the Dockers of Dublin Port. Shortly after that discussion in front of an audience, I then had the opportunity to speak more intimately with a few members of the audience who are each a wealth of knowledge on the topic of the docks. Now, I know that this podcast is primarily concerned with pubs, and I have to confess that pubs don't really get much of a look in in these chats. However, I know that the audience of this podcast is very keen on social history, and I figured that I'd be forgiven for going slightly off topic for one episode. Before we really launch into it, I'll just let you know that the exhibition, Solidarity, is on in a wonderful building called The Substation, a beautiful new cultural hub, on Alexandra Road at Dublin Port, Thursday to Sunday, 11.30am to 3.30pm, until Sunday 18th of February. Now, if you hear people in the background of the next recorded chats, it's because the audience were enjoying the hospitality of Cleary's Pub, and I think it's an appropriate background ambience for the chats we were having. Now, I'm pleased to introduce three wonderfully effusive and decent people whom I had the great pleasure of chatting to. John Miley Walsh, a docker, Margaret Cullen, the daughter of a docker, and Declan Byrne, 
founder of the Dublin Dockworkers Preservation Society. I'll, 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 be, a, I'll be a little less formal than I was down below because we're, we're more secluded now. Could I ask you just both of your names and where you grew up to start? Miley, if you would. Um, I'm giving your name now. But. John Walsh. Uh, wouldn't be known as John Walsh on the docks, but uh, Miley. Uh, started off in Sheriff Street. Uh, Cabra and now in Rohini. In Rohini? Okay. At the moment, yeah. And would you know Margaret for, for a long while or how would, how would you know each other? I would... I wasn't familiar with Margaret until she joined our society, ah. but I, I would have worked with her father. Okay. And Ma- Margaret, were you one of the founding members of the society, or have you continued on the work, or what's your role? No, in it? no, I just joined when it was already founded. Okay. I, fa- I don't know how I found out about it, I can't remember at the time, but I know yes. I just joined because my dad was a doctor. Okay. Yeah. My, so name, my name is Margaret Cullen uh, Nee Byrne. And dad was called Glimmerburn. 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 What did the glimmer element relate to? No idea. I could never <laughs> find that out. <laughs> a nickname is just a nickname. You don't need to know where it's yep. from, I guess. Um, what was it like growing up in a Docker family? I suppose we've heard from, from people tonight who are historians of Dockers and people who are Dockers, but yeah. somebody who grew up in a Docker family not necessarily working yeah. the docks. Well, we didn't see a lot of Dad, I have to say, okay. really, because most of the time he was out working. But... Um, he was a button man. Was he? So he was kind of sure of work, mm. you know, mostly. And he drank. Right, yeah. As a lot of doctors did. Mm. Uh, he was very strict with us children. There were nine of us, uh, six girls, three boys. Right. Um, and what, what was your, your house like growing up? Or? We had a two-bedroom house. Mam, dad, and the youngest child in one bedroom, and the rest in a divided bedroom by a curtain. My God. So, there you go. You know, what would your mom have done? Um, She was a housekeeper, uh, but. Mam mam was a very quiet lady. She was very, very quiet, but she just kind of got up in the morning and got on with life. Mm -hmm. That's all I remember, you know, she just got on with it, Mm -hmm. you know. Would you call it a, a happy childhood or yes, provided I, for? Yeah, I live in Sheriff Street. You're still there? And the freedom in Sheriff Street, I mean, nobody realises what freedom is now for children to go out and play on the streets. You yeah. know, play on the string, the swings, play in the playground or whatever. You just went, and the only time you went home was for meals or bedtime. Yeah. Or school, of course. Yeah. And would all of the families around near where you lived, would you, would you have known each other through, oh, yes. through the oh, profession yeah. and also through where you live? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of all had the same upbringing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. We all went to school together, you know, made our communions, confirmations and so on together. Mm. I'm still in touch with some of them. Right. Uh, one is my son married a girl whose mother I was in school with. Right. <laughs> and I'd been all over and came back and all of a sudden this yeah <laughs> that's gas and um, would you have gone up to the docks as a child like to, to bring your dad lunch or anything oh. like that or was that somebody else's job within the family to, I have a st- yeah if dad was working late you know and he couldn't get home for something to eat uh, mam would make uh, tea in a billy can mm-hmm. yeah yep. the billy we can all did. Mm. with a loose lid it was never 
screwed on lid. It was just yeah. a loose lid sat on it. Yeah. And sandwiches. And you were, I was handed a bag with the sandwiches and the, the can in it with mm-hmm. the tea. And I'd get up on this bucketly old bike <laughs> and ride down over the cobbles. And by the time I got to my dad, the tea and the sandwiches were all mixed together. <laughs> Still nice and nutritious. I'm sure you'd mm-hmm. eat anything after a day on the I docks. I don't know. I just handed over the bag and that was it. Cycled <laughs> home. Miley, could I turn to you? And When did you start working in Dublin Port? And how did you get into it? Uh, I started as a 16 year old in 1962 uh, because my father took sick. Uh, I'm from basically the same area as herself here now. It was similar for everyone. We all went through the same kind of rigmarole, uh, bringing the billy can down. And what it did inflamed in me, uh, it's like a kid looking at a fire engine wants to be a fireman. I mm. wanted to be a docker from a very early age. Uh, and uh, when my father took sick, I, I was roughly about 16 years of age. Um, I got my opportunity, uh, took it with open hands and uh, started, uh, it might seem young uh, to people nowadays, but it, it, it wasn't really that young. That's when then. schooling would have finished, yes. I suppose, oh, sixteen. If you if you went I, through. I it. didn't. I didn't do secondary school. I only did one day in secondary school, mm. and it, an incident happened in the school I was in, uh, which meant it was closed for three to four weeks. And we had um, my father said to me on the second day, "You think you're going to stay here? You're not. You're coming down the docks." Just mm. around the time that uh, I was refused a button, or not a button, uh, but a card, and uh, I was just walking towards it every chance I got. Mm. I took small jobs at, uh, all over the place, and eventually, when he took sick, I, it was uh, it was like manna from heaven for me to Great. get his button. And what, and what, I, I, what was the money like, if you don't mind me asking, if that's not too personal a question, or well, what I, kind of lifestyle did it afford you? The lifestyle, it was tough, tough work. Um, but the lifestyle the, and the money, my first day, I had the equivalent of almost three weeks' pay of a friend of mine who started an apprenticeship in a bar in Cabra. Nice. Uh, in the Oasis bar, and uh, he was a first-year apprentice, but for one day, I got uh, three weeks of his, equal to three weeks yeah. of his pay. Uh, it was hard. Um, you don't get money like that for nothing. Yeah. But I was willing to stay at it, and I stayed at it for six months mm-hmm. until he got well again, and he took the button back off me. Oh, uh, okay. So what did you I do had, then in that scenario? Well, I rebelled and I joined the British Army for two oh, years. Right. And uh, I, I lasted about a year and a quarter in the British Army. And I left it. I went AWOL because mm. I just couldn't stick what they were doing. And I came back uh, because my father had taken sick again. Okay. And I went back onto the docks and never left it until... Mm-hmm. I uh, took the lump and retired from it. Nice. 
Margaret, if I, if I could come back to you again and, and the Dockers Preservation Society, um, is, is it kind of a, an active thing where people do work or is it kind of more of a social club where you kind of get together and share memories or do you work towards a goal or well, to help with exhibitions like this? Or? They, were, they, were, they were working towards a goal to have mm. their own place to exhibit all of the artefacts and photos and everything. They're, they're, there are thousands of photographs, mm. absolutely thousands, and they deserve it, I think, yeah. for the work they've done. Yeah. And I'm delighted to see them getting this bit of rec uh, recognition. Yeah, how, do, how it, does it, it feel, I suppose, to, to be, you know, recognised for, yeah. for, for the community you grew up in or the work you did or your, yeah. your family did? When, you know, I suppose history is usually about kings and queens and now there's more of a trend to actually recognise yeah. well, the, the city this, we live in. You know? This is absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted for them. I really am yeah. now. I couldn't be more delighted. And you, they well deserve it. Absolutely. And, and more. If I could ask, we were talking earlier a bit off mic now about uh, the difference between the north-south divide uh, between dockers and between people in Dublin. Um, did you feel that or was that something palpable for you? You were telling me about, you know, stories of, of intense rivalry between people in Ringsends and Pier Street, never mind. Yeah, it, it, it's, there was certainly a rivalry. Um, uh, I think in every city of you have a river running through the middle of it. You'll always have some kind of rivalry. Mm -hmm. And it, that's the type of rivalry it was. We overemphasize it sometimes. Uh, if a foreman who is from the south side stands up on a raid and he's going to employ a hundred men, well, <laughs> obviously the guys who are from the north side are going to be standing at the back of the raid, mm. not expecting to get a job. Yeah. I suppose but now it's kind of more of a playful thing. It's a bit, oh, of, it's a bit of crack to say north side, south side, but if, you're, if your livelihood's dependent on it. We're, we're friends for life now. Yeah. Um, we, have a, we have a new entrant to the chat. So, <laughs> uh, the rivalry was there. And then, I might have mentioned before, there was a saying in the docks across the bridge, and people have gone in touch with me to ask me what that meant because they always assume that was the rivalry between Ring's End and East Wall and North Wall. But across the bridge was the rivalry. If you were a woman from Ring's End, you were to marry a man from Ring's End. Across the bridge referred to Pierce Street. Uh, so the rivalry was there. But what was unbelievable was that when a strike happened, people lost their houses over it, people went into terrible uh, poverty over it. And the employer said, if you apply for your own job back, we'll consider you giving you back the job. So that was a way of breaking a, a fantastic strike where there was 100% solidarity. And they put it into the newspaper, supply for a job, tells the people nothing to do with the dock supplied. And one docker name came up on it. And there was a union meeting, and the docker was the first one up to grab the mic to say, I didn't apply, 
me Mrs. Counterfeit and me signature. <laughs> <laughs> so the solidarity was unbelievable. Uh, once it was a strike, uh, there was also among the Dockers uh, a thing, a kind of a social fund. So if any family went into hardship, uh, this money was used to help them. Mm -hmm. uh, even to the extent, uh, if some Docker passed away, uh, no money be raised for the funeral right, yeah. and all the traditions uh, are now gone more or less so if a docker from the north side or the south side passed away and this happened in English ports but as far as I know only in Dublin the hearse came into the port and the ship stopped work and the crane men turned the crane over and bowed it down onto the hearse mm. and the hearse went both north and south of the quays to honour the docker that passed away so so that that kind of uh, community spirit now the next day could be a big fight <laughs> <laughs> so I think the the exhibition is probably appropriately named Solidarity then based on that oh, story doubt, yeah. Yeah. so thank you very much for, for sharing your stories um, pleasure. Absolute pleasure to have you here and to, to hear your own oral history and, uh, and your local history. Thanks to John, Margaret and Declan for their time and sharing with me and yourselves their memories from the docks. Two more gentlemen I had the pleasure of interviewing about their reminiscences were Richard Boxer Elliott and Paddy Nevins, both of whom were dockers. Gentlemen, um, could I ask you to, to introduce yourselves yeah. first of all? And would you tell me as well if you know each other from work or from the, the Dockers Preservation Society? Or how long have you known each other? How long are you on the docks? 1960. And I'm there since 1962 to 19, between 1962 and 63. Mm -hmm. He's four or five years older than me. You know what I mean? Now, you were talking to a lad there who was walking in the port today. Mm. The fourth fellow you were talking Charlie to. Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore, yeah. Mm. Like him, I grew up on the docks also. Right. I came from the north side of the river, right? In Sheriff Street. Different story to tell. In so. Sheriff Street. Yeah. I was born in Monto. You know where Monto is, yeah. don't you? I was born in Monto. Lived in a tenement house in Monto. And then we moved when the flats opened in, in the north wall in Sheriff Street. My mother and father got a, a house there. I was only three or four years of age when we were going down on the horse and car with the furniture on the back of it. It's a long, long time ago, you know. It's a long time ago. And that's the, then the, the docks became my playground, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we'd hang around, you know. Now, you had to be very worried because certain individuals saw you on the docks. Men that lived in the area or men that walked on the docks would have said, get home or I'll tell your father on you. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's... It wasn't a matter of, are you going to walk on the docks for me? Mm -hmm. It was, when are you going to walk on nice. the docks? Right. <laughs> Now, you couldn't go down to the docks <coughs> without insurance cards. 
right? Mm-hmm. Which is PRS oil, whatever it is today. Yeah. You know, I don't know whether it's the same. Is it it's a, is your it PRS oil, PRS oil yeah. today? No, your RS oil number is oil, yeah. yeah. Mm. And as, um, so you had to be 16 to get those, right? So when I became 16, I went to the buyer's labor just beside Liberty, uh, Liberty Hall to get me me cards. And then I was on to the docks then. I was, my first job, I, can, I remember my mother wakening me at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. And me and my dad then went down in the bus to the, to the docks, down to the north wall, right? And I got out there and on the way down in the bus, people, the men that walked with me dad would say, Boxers, you open the starting today, like, you know? And that was my dad's nickname, Boxer. Boxer, right? okay. So, um, got into, into the, couldn't wait to get in to, to start walking, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, my dad was a boatman. My uncle was a boatman. And my grandfather was a boatman. So, um, what happened was, my father got employed by, a, by one of the companies, right? And then he'd come back and he'd stand behind me. So it was the boss, the boss who was picking a different company, mm. would see him and know the score. And he'd say, boxer, and my dad say to me, go ahead. And I'd go out and I'd hand me cards. And the first job I started on was a Neverard, a ship called Neverard Company Ship. And that was my first job. And it was general cargo and a bit of timber. But on the way over to the boat, my father would have said to some of the the men that that I would have been working with, look after him, you know, it's his first day. Mm -hmm. And so they took me in hand, you know. And that's... Was the start of that. That was your start. And the wages then was 32, 32 shillings a day without your tonnage, mm. right? So uh, I think we were two or three days at the boat, and that was it, right. you know? Yeah. So I was, introdu- I, was, I was away now on a hack, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a docker now, and I'm at the being a But prior to that, when I was 15, my father, the Dockers, the Dockers opened up a boxing club called the Dublin Port, the Port Walkers Boxing Club, right? <coughs> and my father was one of the founder members. And he was, became secretary of the club. And he'd have to go to the stadium, let's say, maybe every once a month, for a meeting with the, well, what's happening in the, with the, in the boxing world in, in Ireland, yeah. right? So whatever had to be done had to be done in the stadium, and they'd go to the, they'd go up to the stadium. All the all the secretaries out there, all the different boxing clubs around Dublin, and it's going to get filled in on what's happening and what's going to happen and where there's fights, mm-hmm. uh, competitions on, and all that kind of stuff. So. I was 15, about 15 at this time. And rather than just go away from the job that he was working at, you see, you, you couldn't just... 
You were very going to get a man at five o'clock, you know, to replace you mm-hmm. in the job. So what he done was he he, he made a, a, a thing with uh, with the with the man that he was working with. He said, oh, send the young fella down. He won't be able to do much, but he'll do something. <laughs> so I got down and we, I'd be shoveling. It was a coal boat. Right, okay. And there was a lot of coal to be shoveled. Mm-hmm. A hell of a lot of coal. This was a... It was a grabs. The, the, it, was, it wasn't there like the old... Like... I think it was in 1961 that the grabs came in. I'm not too sure, but uh-huh. around that time. Was it 1961, Paddy? Yeah, around 60. Around yeah, 1960, yeah, yeah. 61, right? Yeah. So it was a grab that was taking the bulk of the, of the coal. But in the tween decks of the ship, the grab couldn't get into the tween mm-hmm. deck, so you had to shovel it. So yeah. there'd be a couple of hundred tonne of coal around the tween decks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm 15 and I'm strong and I'm fit and I'm a millionaire. And the, ma- the man that I was walking with was called uh, Matty Nail. He was also... He also lived in the flats that I came from. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dick, slow down. <laughs> Calm down, you'll be okay. You'll be bored out in no time. So here's what to do. And he showed me how to shovel it. Push in the shovel, pull it back, and just canter into the, into the hatch. Let the shovel do the and work. That, let the shovel yeah, do yeah, the work, yeah. Nice. I was milling it. Paddy, would you have had a similar experience coming to the port or would you have gone a a different route and would you have worked similar ships Uh, as well or similar uh, cargo? I did starting off. uh, Dick was uh, a button man. I wouldn't have been a button man. I would be a non-button man. So we'd have maybe a different experience. I wasn't a button man in the the beginning. I was a non-button man. Yeah, you weren't a button man at 15. No, I wasn't a button man at 16 either. I wasn't a button man till my dad died. Yeah. And that was, I, I was 20 then. 20? Yeah. When you, when you yeah, got your father's button yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry for... But, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but my, my uh, it's, it's kind of the same, the background is the same as Dick, but my, my background would be from the south side. Okay. From Ring's End. You went to school with the, the people that you were eventually going to work with on the docks. You know, yeah. their fathers and their, you, you were going to school with them. Yeah. You were going out in the night time with them. You were having a drink with them and everything yeah. else, you know. So mm. you eventually end up working with them on the docks because the whole, the whole thing was geared towards going yeah. over and d- the Did docks, your you know? world feel big or small in the sense that you might not have left the, the Rings End Dublin port area, but it was kind of a window into the world, I'd assume... You know, would you meet people from different countries or different cultures if you were working on the docks? You know, because you'd have uh, you know, boats you'd coming meet, in from around the world. Meet, you'd meet sailor men. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you get talking to them. Because there'd always be a sailor man in the hatch, depending on the cargo. Mm-hmm. If it was precious cargo, like stuff that whiskey or anything like that, or anything of value, mm-hmm. you know, like clothes or ornaments or things. Someone said... It was mentioned that um, Hector Gray got an awful lot of stuff in. He didn't get all butter stuff. He got some good stuff as well. <laughs> he got like he'd get uh, binoculars and cameras, the binoculars and, and cameras and that kind of stuff. Right, so yeah. there'd always be a man in the hatch, making sure no one robbed anything. Mm-hmm. You know that yeah, kind of yeah. way. So, so they could be from. So you got talking to them while someone else yeah. was taking. Mm. Some. You spent, you, spent a, you spent a lot more time with foreign people than you did with your, you know, say, yeah. 
Irish people. Really? So yeah. With, yeah. with what's going on at the moment, you know, we, 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 we more or less uh, work with people from all over the world. Yeah. You're exposed so to different cultures. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 So, so you, got, you get to know them, you know what I mean? Mm. And would you have socialised with Would you have oh, you brought them out to the club yeah. or anything? No, you no. wouldn't socialise with them. No, a lot of the... A lot of the, the reason why you wouldn't socialise them, say, the likes of Indian guys on ships and that, you know, on tea boats, they didn't have a penny. Yeah. Right, okay. You yeah. got doctors bringing them down clothes, you know, kids' clothes yeah. and all this type really? of thing. And that, you know, yeah. before all this, uh, you know, in relation to putting, putting bags of clothes into the bins and all that, mm-hmm. doctors brought down... Uh, kids' clothes to, to Salem and yeah. Nigerians and that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of solidarity there between people that worked from different well, countries, but the same. it was a bit of charity. Yeah. It was a, a cha- yeah. more charity right, yeah. than anything okay. than uh, solidarity, you right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It was yeah. just, just concern for, you know, for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they'd be wearing cheesecloth f- like dresses on the, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, what you call, wrap around, they just wrapped around mm, them. Yeah. And they'd have uh, uh, sandals or something sandals on them, do you know what yeah. I mean? There was no, there was no <laughs> overalls or, they, they, they call or them, anything they, like they that. They call them coffin chips, because when they got, guys got jobs on them, that was their life. They never left them till, really? yeah. till, till, they, yeah. till yeah. they died. They sent back their family the some bar. money, you know, yeah. at the time and that so they referred to leave them in case somebody else would take their place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, yeah. So they, they, they were there for duration. Uh, to go back to, to the boxing, um, yeah. oh, yeah, would there have yeah. been you know, competitions? I mean, there's a boxing club for, yeah, for was, doctors. Or was, was, was that inter-Dublin um, or inter-trade uh, or job? You know, would you one club fights another and puts on a spectacle? Well, I tell you, my, fo- my first fight would have been in the British Rail. Okay. And that was a, a Steve Orton comp across Channel. Steve Orton Company, the great Harry Perry and Dan O'Power and Gussie Farrow, they all boxed for that. As a matter of fact, when the part of Dublin cl- finished, when the club finished, I went from there to the British Railway, to the, set, to the boxing club in the British Railway. And yeah, that's where I had my force fight. It's where my brother had his force fight. There was nine of us, there's nine boys in our family, and the nine of us was all boxers. But the all fella, the all fella ways. As soon as you start getting hit, you start leaving. Right. <laughs> you start leaving. It's only me and my brother, me and Christy, mm. we stuck at it, you know? Yeah. But Tony McGarney. And Tony, yeah, Tony did. Paddy, would you have been from a big family? I think everybody I've talked to this evening was from, from a big family. Yeah. Uh, just, that was the uh, three sisters, three sisters and one brother. Okay, so, so big by today's brother. standards, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Five eight brothers yeah. and five sisters. Oh, that's, yeah. And how big was the was the house you would have? How big was the house you would have grown up in? Or we no, were in a flat with two bedrooms. Yeah. We were on the one bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only talking about that the other day. I was looking at Facebook, right? Mm. And I seen a. I seen a photograph on Facebook with four kids lying in the bed, you know, and you saw the four heads, you know, over the yeah. head and down, you know what I mean, all <laughs> lying. And I said, Geez. and I said that brought back memories because it was about it was about eight. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't the other. It was about eight. It wasn't the other. It wasn't the other. It was a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the lads I walked with on the docks. Paddy Bork was his name, right? Mm. He said to me, we were talking about uh, army coats put on yeah, the bed to keep yeah, you yeah. warm, right? Mm. That's the way it was. 
Der var slaveri, det er der, hun tager dig. Ja. Der var slaveri, det er der. Men han sagde, at han op om morgenen, og han havde et tattoo af en harp i hans forhold. Der var en cirkel med en harp right in the middle of it. And it was from the button in the army. I have one last question for you, lads, before yeah. I let you go. Is, does it feel good to be listened to and to kind of be able to share these it's, stories it's, it's and for other people to be interested yeah, yeah, yeah. in it's, your it's, life and your trade and professions? Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Look, uh, just, John, before, Paddy, uh, yeah. just tell you one bit of a yarn before, before we go. Please. There was one, the tea boats that used to come in, there was a lot of uh, tea chests used to get broken, waste. And it'd fall on the ground, you know, and it'd be tea spread all over the place. There's one of the lads at one time, he, he uh, filled his pockets with tea. And when he was going out to the, he had a gate, the extension gate, he had to pass through the harbour policeman going out the gate. And the harbour policeman stopped him because he had two, two pocketfuls of tea. John Joe O'Connor. Right. <laughs> and he got two, he got two uh, weeks of Mount Joy. Over these two pockets of tea. <laughs> oh my god, that's and, very and, hard. And the warder, the warder, when he was leaving, took pity on him and he had an old suit and he gave him an old suit that the warder used to wear. He gave, <laughs> <laughs> he gave him the suit. So I just thought I'd finish on that. Absolutely. Thing, you know, just, Good to uh, share them, have them for posterity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's, like I said, there's a lot of things happened, you yeah, know. Yeah, you can fill a book. There's a million and one things. We yeah. had yeah. fantastic characters yeah. on the docks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll fit. He's at the finish it on, on you, this you story. Have your last I'll tell you this story. You heard him talking about Big Nose Kelly, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, he worked for order shipping. He was a boss in order shipping. And he would have been... There was two bosses on the docks. One was Pat, Patsy Kelly, the man I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and Jack Goyne for Palgrave Murphy's. And... To say that they'd be the most feared men on the docks, mm. I'll tell you the reason why they were the most feared. Because they were the boss. They were the real boss. And everyone mm. looked up. Even bosses looked up to them. You mm. know what I mean? And uh, Patsy Kelly, if you didn't do your work, you were left out the next day, right? Mm-hmm. But there was an Irish boat. They worked for Irish shipping. Patsy Kelly worked for Irish shipping. And one Saturday, he was walking along the deck at, at lunch, after lunch, about quarter past two. Between half, quarter past two and half two. He's walking along the deck. And he seen the crane and the hook was right in the middle of the hatch. And he looked into the hatch. And there was no one in the hatch. So he let her roll out. Is there anybody down there at the hook on this heap? There were the six men that was in the hatch. And the, four, the hatch foreman were in the tween decks. And they were listening to the Grand National. Right? <laughs> he had a little radio with him, right? And then... Um, he let another roar, and I wasn't with anybody who got it. Was where the fucking hell I is? <laughs> is there someone got the bleeding hook on this here? <laughs> and with that, Canadian Joe walked out and he looked up 
and he said to Patsy, in the name of Jesus, Patsy, will you stop rowing? <laughs> You're not knocking down two horses. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, sir. Right. Thanks a million for sharing your stories. Thanks to Richard, Paddy, John, Margaret and Declan for speaking to me. And once again, a big thanks to the Dublin Port Company and to Cleary's Pub for their organisation and hospitality in putting all of this together. Once again, Solidarity, the Dockers of Dublin Port, runs at the substation Alexander Road at Dublin Port, Thursday to Sunday, 11.30am to 3.30pm until Sunday, 18th of February. That's all from me this week, so all that's left to say is thanks for listening and slauncha. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 